Westworld Theorycast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Go to Cufflinks.com right now and use code DVR20 to save 20% off your order, no minimum. Cufflinks.com is the men's accessory marketplace. We all know that Cufflinks.com has Game of Thrones, Star Wars, Star Trek, Mandalorian, Disney, every amazing geeky thing. They have products that match your desires, as well as having the classic wearable art brands like Ox and Bull, Hook and Albert, and of course, Cufflinks' own brand, Cufflinks, baby. We all know that there's a coronavirus going around, and we want everyone to be safe and happy, and a lot of things have been canceled, okay? And a lot of sales that Cufflinks had have been canceled too, NCAA, things like that, but They have now put over 700 items on their sale page to get a great discount while people are planning that next outing with their friends. When this all clears up and you go out, you're still going to have to look good. So head over to cufflinks.com today. We wish you and your family well. Have a great day. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to Westworld Theorycast. My name, of course, is Axel, and my co-hosts today are Jenny and Brett. Today, we're going to be talking about Westworld Season 3, Episode 4, and the title is The Mother of Exiles, the Statue of Liberty, baby, New Jersey. We're going to be coming to you three times a week on Westworld Theorycast. I dropped Ken and I's podcast on Monday. And oh, I wanted to say something about this. Okay. So we are actually legacy kind of hosted on TalkShoot. Before I started the, the website and the network and everything, we had this podcast four years ago. So what happens is they have a weird thing. If you upload during the middle of the day, it will appear as if the podcast came through the day before. So like it doesn't happen with the Wednesday and Friday show because I literally wait until 12.01, then I upload it and it's at 11.45 the day before and it's only a 15 minute difference. You wake up, it says it's there overnight for you. But I notice on something that we're getting a little less downloads on the Monday show. So if you love the show and you want to hear Ken and I, please do just Look back a little bit. It'll say that it came out on Sunday, but it's actually coming out on Monday afternoon. So that's a little techno babble. But again, we'll be here on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with Gina, Tim, and Andy. I am covering Better Call Saul with Ishea. What an episode this week. Check us out at DVRpodcast.com and give us a review. That's the last thing I'm going to say. Give us an iTunes review or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called. And now I'm going to stop babbling and I'm going to say hello to Jenny. And I know, Jenny, it is a special birthday that you want to announce. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, Axel. It is my daughter's birthday on the airing of this episode on right. April 8th. She will be 27 years old tomorrow at the time of recording. But uh Yeah. So happy birthday to my daughter, Sierra, and uh, I'm having an interesting week as usual with this work from home thing with COVID-19, a little crazy. My coworker, the dog, likes to be in my personal (laughs) space a little too much. (laughs) He's enjoying me being home for sure. Oh, I know. How are you you doing with the uh, 
whole, I, I know you usually stay at home, but usually your son gets to be at school. <laughs> yeah, it's been a little rough. I mean, I think that he is just getting, you know, I'm trying my best. I mean, we went on like four bike rides already today um, <laughs> and we're trying to get into school and that, but you know, that's funny. That's your daughter's 27 and we're yep. close. We're very close in age. Yeah. You're a year younger than I am. <laughs> so, and my kid's seven and Brett, your kid is not even seven months old. <laughs> he is almost five months old. Yeah. That's crazy. Isn't it? So that's got, interesting. He is my first. <laughs> How are you doing, Brett? I'm doing very well. It's, um, it's Westworld time, baby. Yeah, it's, it's let's yeah. To talk about Westworld. Yeah. Oh, I I did want to say you brought up Better Call Saul. I actually yeah. watched it. Uh, I watched that episode today. That was uh, you were right. That was very good. I look forward to listening to you and Ashea talk about it. Thank tomorrow. you. Yeah, I mean, I really think you know we are stuck inside, but there's so much great television to watch, and it is like I mean Westworld. Better Call Saul. It's like a, a new movie dropping each week. And I really felt that way about this episode. I love this episode. Ken and I really got into it yesterday and we were both ecstatic about it. I mean, it had the action stuff, the sci-fi, a lot of theories are coming out of it. So today we're just going to kind of cover each character. We're going to jump in interspersed with Brett's theories. Don't know if we're going to do two and a half hours like we did last week. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Man, gonna... we could have talked for three and a half hours and still had stuff to say, but we were a little lengthy last week. Yeah, it was a little long, but um, we are going to have a good time. So let's just start it out. Uh, like I said, I love this episode. Um, I just think this season is fantastic. We're halfway through the season now. Brett, what are your initial thoughts on this episode? A little sad that we're halfway through the season already. Yeah. Oh, me I'm, too. I'm loving the season so far. This this episode in particular, you got to see pretty much all the main characters. All the storylines progressed. You got to see an old friend in Ed Harris. Um just watching him kind of made me reflect on his entire journey from season one. And even before, you know, even the young William from season one, all the way to where he is now, it's uh, just a hell of a journey that that character has been on, but just really cool to see kind of the characters start to converge. Yeah, definitely. That's why I, I thought it was like, it made a very good mid season episode and it makes you realize how much ground they've covered in only four episodes to kind of get to this point and have everyone get together. And I did especially like this stuff that Ed Harris did. I mean, it really does make you think about the journey. Like I was saying with Ken, I mean, we spent like the first season really predominantly following his journey. And mm -hmm. that was the big reveal, you know? So it's great to see that they're continuing with it. It was kind of sad as, as you guys were talking about that. I was, um, I remember like after season one, how um, his, his whole arc 
you know, with the, the young William and the man in black, when you compare those two places that he is in his life and, and how he reacts and behaves in the park, how different and how, you know, like complete polar opposites. And, you know, it took him 30 years to get to that point, but wow, what a crazy ride. What do you, you know, I was thinking about that. Because last week, Jenny, you were kind of you were saying that you felt that the park did, and I and it made me think about it. Because initially, I disagree, but now I really agree with you that yeah, he had this part of this inside of him, but a lot of that stuff, like the park, will show you who you really are. Like he really, in a way. Do you think that he blames the park? Like you said that the park kind of made him like that and he's like, it, that's an excuse. Or do you really think that if it hadn't been a part of his life, he would not have been this type of man? Um, B. <laughs> really? Um, I don't, I don't necessarily blame it on the park and I don't, well, I mean, I wouldn't blame it on the park. I think that it was in him all along, but I think that if he hadn't had the park, that he might not have turned into that bad a human being. Because even even on his outside life, um, his outside life, even 30 years into having been going to the park and the way he was behaving in the park, the way he behaved with his family in those scenes that we saw, the very few scenes that we saw, but the way he behaved with his family was he was an upstanding human being yeah. and he was donating to charities and whatever. And I think that if he hadn't had the park as an outlet, maybe he wouldn't have been quite as do-gooder on the outside to try and overcompensate for what he was doing on the inside. But I don't think that all of that would have come out in any any kind of close uh, whatever to what, what he was, you know, on the inside of the park, the way he was just killing. And he, I don't know if he raped people or not because they never really showed him doing that. They mostly just showed him killing everyone and not giving a shit about the fact that he was yeah. killing all these beings um, because they were expendable and they weren't, they weren't actual people. Because, so I don't think he would have been doing that on the, on, on the outside of the park had he not had the park. So I, I do think that it, and, and because of that duality of his, um, his nature and the way he was trying to be a good person on the outside and, and let it all out on the, on the inside of the park, I, I think that, um, he might not have the, uh, the issues that he's having now. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. No, <laughs> I was kind of all over the does. place. <laughs> I, I think I, I, but I think that's. I guess that's something that, you know, sometimes on a show they can repeat something over and over. They're trying to, but you don't really feel it. And I guess I didn't really, this episode made me feel that because the fact that he's not at Westworld, the absence of it made me feel it more. And I started to see him in this outside world. And I started thinking to myself about that. Like he, it's the, in the same way that Ray Haboam pushed 
Caleb to ha- to not be able to have the job he wanted, right? Because it judged him. In the same right. way, did the information that the park got from him, that card, as well as the opportunities it presented, the way the stories were written, how they were geared towards the violence and the sex, right? And the indulgence. <laughs> did that kind of really was that the nurturing part that otherwise he may have been a better man or may have found a way to deal with his emotions in a constructive way instead of bottling it up and once a year going killing and raping yes like maybe therapy yeah exactly right (laughs) or something like that but i mean that's kind of but that's interesting right because one of the points that dolores made about rehoboam is it's not about it's it's like a it's the sins of omission it wouldn't let you do certain it didn't see you viable as something it's not like you're saying you have to do this yes yes right so that's That's why yeah that's why i kind of see that correlation between Caleb and William and it just it just kind of And also like it. it that even like the way you just said that makes me like even more firmly in my Dolores is a gray hat category that like probably nobody else is in but me <laughs> but yeah yeah i like that it's interesting that he vehemently disagrees with his profile card that the, I guess the forged data produces, you know, for every guest. And, um, but that's data, that data is based purely on what's done inside the park, which was his getaway. So I think that's why he feels like it's an unfair, you know, maybe representation of what his actually, you know, the, the breakdown of exactly. what his you know, personality yes. is, as opposed to what Rehoboam is doing on the outside is more, how do you it's collecting all the data, so at least it's more fair. But still, it, it's not fair in the end because it's still like it, it does its algorithm to, based on like these behaviors that you have, and you don't have that crazy outlet. So I mean, it's it's still not fair. But yeah, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, I really it, I had really not thought of it, and I guess it was because the opening scene here. Um, they get, you know, the cold open, but I guess they do a cold open like 75% of the time on this show. Yeah. I think they've been doing a cold open every episode this season so far. Um, it was so much of him, you know, destroying the house and cutting into himself. Am I real? Am I not? And seeing these visions of his daughter, Emily, um, over and over again. And, it, you know, when they sometimes that can be a little overblown and it just kind of washes over you like, yeah, I get it. He's crazy. But <laughs> I did really get into it this time. You know, I kind of like stopped myself up and really was on the second viewing again. I was like, you know, they spent so much time on this. I'm going to really pay attention more to it. And it just made me feel more so and think about the journey that his character had been on. And when he, when he first got to Westworld there, he was a nice dude. And, you know, I guess he was, yeah, it's like, we (laughs) all have it in us, right? I mean, you could take the nicest person and put them in a situation that's tailored to expose 
the weakest parts of them and they will turn too, right? I mean, so that's, I guess I had never really considered, I'd always thought, nah, he's a bad guy and the park showed who he was. And I'm starting to think, oh, maybe the park really influenced him in a way that was unhealthy. It was like a drug to him. Yeah, because I don't think that he would have, because the way he was when he came into it, I think that if that's how he was on the outside, which I'm assuming is how he was on the outside, if he had been left on that path to just keep going in that direction and not had the park at all, he would have been a decent guy all around. I I believe that too. And and you remember he, at the, at the beginning, he totally sympathized with Dolores, even though she was a robot Mm -hmm. and it was the turning point was, and he didn't want to kill anyone. Yeah. Right. True. He didn't want to kill anyone. He didn't want any, he, he, he treated her like a human basically. And then yeah. when, when Logan, you know, played his games with her, tortured her or whatever, uh, I think that was kind of the turning point for, for William. Yeah. It's it, yeah. And he, gosh, I this, think he saw uh, the way that other human nature can be not all humans, but like Logan's nature was, yeah. and he saw other people behaving in a similar fashion And he was like, well, if this is how everybody's just going to be, I might as well just join the crowd. Why even bother trying to be a good guy? And his heart was broken too, right? I mean, I think that's a part is that he fell in love with Mm -hmm. Dolores. And Mm -hmm. that's true. And he couldn't deal with that. And the way that Logan, I mean, remember Logan shot her in front of him and (laughs) like, you know, and did what else, what else did he do? He got, they kind of alluded to that. They had raped her as well. Right. Before he got to the already uh, jaded. Yeah. He wanted to turn William jaded. Yeah. Yep. And look, when we see what happened to Logan in the end, I know um, Logan deserved that shit. (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, you know, he had probably, he needed therapy too, Jenny. Let's be empathetic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if he had gotten some therapy, maybe he wouldn't have behaved that way yeah. either. However, well, yeah, the way he behaved yeah, in I, the end, he kind of deserved what he got. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I guess also his dad, he kind of has it in the blood, I guess you'd say. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. His dad was a dick too. <laughs> but um, they spent a good amount of time with Emily. Um, and Brett, I know you have a theory about her. And before we get into your theory, I, I did just want to say that the kind of the mirror to the stinger of that ended last season with him, you know, going down the elevator and then seeing her and she's doing a fidelity test with him. (laughs) Um, I don't know. May, you know, we'll talk about it, I guess, through this theory too, but I kind of feel like maybe that's not as far off in the future as we think. Maybe, you know, I, I, I'm just, I'm not so sure I'm really starting to, I watched it again and I really didn't pick up any clues, but I, I just, it was so similar to the way she appeared in some of these scenes that I just, that's why I liked you. So watch, go in, go into your theory, Brett. All right, let's Before just dive right in. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, the Emily stuff is really interesting. It was good to see that actress again, too. I love her. I don't, I don't know what her, her name is, but um, yeah, I have a theory nice that <laughs> I have a theory that Emily is still alive. Now, Ford was always 
worried that William was a roadblock to the host revolution. And I think that's why the game that he designed for him was effectively to kind of, you know, capture the, the William chess piece and, and remove him from the chessboard, so to speak. And I think doing so involved an elaborate scheme that included, among other moves, building a host replica of his daughter, Emily. I have three main reasons why I think Emily was a host. I'm going to go from um, kind of least to most obvious. First of all, there's a mistake in the code about whether Emily adored or feared elephants. You, you may recall that that line, we, I think most people were kind of attributing to whether William was real or not, because he couldn't remember if his, that his daughter loved the yes. elephants and his wife yep. feared the elephants. And yes. Was mom, like, Dad. no, I like them. Yeah, right. yeah. But perhaps that was a clue that, that Emily was uh, remembering it incorrectly. Number two, the fact that she intercepted her father quickly and easily on the plains of the middle of nowhere deep in Westworld always bothered me. If you remember, he was he was with um, Lawrence on the way to the Valley Beyond, but... Yeah, like she in the, was in the like Raj the, and jumped from the tiger because yeah. she was about to get killed. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, that was the Akacheta episode, right? He's riding out with everyone, and it's a big open field, and she just meets them in the middle of it. Right. I always thought that was strange. And then the the main one is the end of the season uh, two, the portrayal of her two-week-old corpse on the beach showing no signs of decomposition. That was a... Uh, an otherwise unnecessary camera shot to include in the TV show. If you consider that the massacre scene Carl Strand encountered in the town showed overwhelming amounts of human decomposition. That's true. You heard the flaws. How do you too. know? How do you know how far back? I mean, cause we assume that all of season two, I'm, I'm just being devil's advocate. Um, all of season two took about two weeks to that period. So how do you know that she was killed um, early in that cycle of two weeks as opposed to late in that cycle of two weeks? Because it was she she was killed after Dolores killed the Ghost Nation member. And that was the data feed where we got when Carl when Carl Strand's team landed and that technician opened that Ghost Nation guy's head Mm -hmm. to his feed, he said this is from eleven days ago. Okay, and that was the scene with Dolores, and they showed Emily's body in that same scene? No, I think it was. It may have been the same episode. I'm sorry. Like I said, I'm just being devil's no, advocate no, no. here, because it could be less than two it's, weeks as she was laying there. could be less than two weeks, but it, it was. I think it was more than a week. Okay. I mean, just, I'm not I'm not rebutting your your theory here because I'm like this is pretty good. I was just playing devil's advocate there. Continue, sorry. Just based on the timeline of of that eleven days, I feel like, and that was eleven days from when Strand's team landed on the beach. Now there was a few. It took a few days for them to drain the uh, the flooded plain. And then find the forge. So that also took a few more days. So I'm just estimating that it was it was certainly more than a week and probably closer to two weeks. That makes it's sense. It's good to be pedantic though, because I'm gonna be even more pedantic than you later on. <laughs> but anyway, hey man. 
So, so that's why I believe that Emily was a host. Now, I think Dolores took this game from Ford and just ran with it. And killing William might mean that his controlling shares in Delos would pass down to his living daughter, Emily, which is an unpredictable outcome for her. But if, if he were merely institutionalized, the shares would remain, in, but the voting power is what would be passed down to Charlotte Hale, i.e. Dolores. So how could she go about making this happen? Forcing him to outwardly exhibit signs of mental illness. Remember earlier in the episode, Roderick, uh, Liam's friend, said there's a brand new drug called Genre. It's a digital psychopharma hybrid. Hits your implant and your bloodstream sends you straight to the silent era and back. This could be the drug Hmm. that has been using on William since he returned home, controlling his hallucinations of Emily. We see at the end of the episode that she pricked his neck, and that could be her injecting more of the drug. And then later she appeared as herself in his room at the institution. So this drug may work similar to the the wafer interacting with the implant that we've seen, like when uh, Jerry in the first episode uh, took it to go to sleep and dream, and then he was startled awake. At the beginning of this episode, we see William abruptly wake up from his Emily hallucination in a different room when Hale arrived. It was as if he was waking up from a dream, but more real than that, because he even asked, where is, where is she? Wondering where Emily went to. Now, see, I wonder if the pricking of his neck was to get a little of his blood for like a DNA thing. So it could be. Right. I mean, those are just theories, but I'm, I'm liking your, yeah, uh, so, you know what? your I wanna, flow here. I I'm liking jump this in real quick. And say that um, we talked about this a little bit, Ken and I, and I thought the DNA thing too, Jenny, but they have all that. You know, she, if she had, if she. Yeah, but if she wanted to use it for something like how Dolores used um, the guy's the, blood, the one in, yeah. in her, yeah, uh, yeah I understand right that. away. Yeah, I get so, that. So, yeah, apparently you need it to be like real close, like you need to use it right away. If you're going to have somebody fake. So if she needed somebody to scan and it show up as William, that would be the only thing. I mean, yes, of course they have his DNA on file, but based on what Dolores said in that scene with Caleb about it degrading over 20 minutes time. And so, yeah, I mean, if she was just needing some of his blood to do something with a DNA scan. um, Yeah. So anyway, I could see it going on. The fact that she pricked his neck and then later, like that night or whatever, when he's in his mm-hmm. room and hears as herself makes me think that those two things are related to each other. I could it very be well be. Yes. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. Just saying that's an alternate theory. <laughs> right on. Right. I like so this wrap, very much. <clears throat> so just to wrap it up, even though Dolores says to him, welcome to the end of the game. The fact is that William is alive and still owns controlling shares of Delos. And if his daughter is also alive, he is still a factor. As of right now, I assume Emily wants nothing to do with her dad. But if something or someone changes her mind, she could save her dad. Imagine if you could listen to a podcast where James Delos tells you why he bought Westworld. Well, James Delos isn't real, but Christopher Slough of Reddit, Brandon Hilkart of Bark, and Cortland Allen of Indie Hackers are. 
And so is Code Story. Code Story is a podcast interviewing the tech visionaries about their journeys building products from nothing to something amazing. Code Story is a podcast interviewing the tech visionaries about their journeys. Like How I Built This with Guy Raz, this is the same type of podcast, but bend towards those in the tech world. In the show, host Noah Labhart digs into the critical details about what it takes to change an industry, how the tech visionary got started building their world-changing product, what sort of trade-offs they had to make in the beginning, and how they coped with them. Our tech leaders are not only brilliant builders, they're humans, and they have a human story to tell. Hey, I've listened to the podcast, and it's awesome. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're into tech. And if you want to hear the real human stories behind that tech, Code Story is the podcast for you. Subscribe to Code Story now on every major podcast platform. Code Story, the future is now. I like that. So I do too. I think that it makes total sense that like what Ford had just when they met at the bar, remember that scene? And he said that he had something planned for him. And then he kept on saying that he wasn't part of the, the maze, but now the new thing is for him. Right. Mm -hmm. In season two. And that makes perfect sense to kind of turn that around and be able to sending his daughter in. Yeah. Yeah. Be able to control him instead of, you know, killing him or whatever, kind of keep him, control him, use him for that. I love the idea that that if, if Emily is alive somewhere and maybe just like not paying attention to any of this, like he thought when she arrived, right? Like you wrote me all, you don't want to have anything to do with me no matter what. Yes. Then you're right. She could just be out there and not connected to any of this and say, Oh, something crazy happened at Westworld. I knew that would happen, you know, like screw my dad. I don't care. And she just goes on with her life, but it mm-hmm. provides the opportunity for that fifth ball, that fifth pearl to actually be Emily and that Emily that that'd he's be really seeing, cool. right in these visions. And remember he walks back into the room and Shalara Shaloris says to him, Oh, I heard you talking to her. So do you think that it's it would really do you think it would really be Emily in the ball or do you think it would be Dolores in the ball with Emily as the host body? Uh it could be you're right. It could be that and it it could be that she really copied try tried to make some sort of, you know, composite copy of her too in the same way well, that I mean, she it seemed merged like, herself. Um, yeah, but also like uh you know, they made that faithful copy of Bernard, but like if they, they had her data in the forge because she clearly had been going to the park yep. for a while mm-hmm. based on her behavior in the Raj. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, well, she said so, it like four times, you know, I yeah. come here too. So, you know, they have her information on file. So if she could merge that with some of her own, you know, she could do it in any number of ways, but it seems like she mostly just trusted herself to uh, be the, <laughs> the other hosts. Yeah. I like this. This is you really need something cool. done, right? Do it yourself. I do. I think that's pretty good, Brett. I like that. And the drug like I said, part. I had to play the, the whole devil's <laughs> advocate on a couple things there, but oh, yeah. no, no. 
Yeah, I, I, that's part. Yeah. Come on, you don't never apologize for yourself. <laughs> no, no, Jenny. I'm not apologizing. I'm just saying I had to do that because you know these other things could be as well. But I think it's yeah. a good solid theory. And the drug thing I like too because this is something that they just keep on bringing this up. You know, they're never there. It's just a yeah. part of the world. They never explained really what those wafers no. are. His friends keep having and and remember also. But we've seen it enough times that we need to be making a note of it. And we are. And the first episode when Marshawn Lynch and Lena Waithe Mm -hmm. were like hanging out and they had, they could control what was going. So you know that whether it's drug technology, the glasses, there are many different ways now in this world to trick people into thinking something is happening that is not really happening. Right. right. So they're kind of like yes. keep on hitting us over the head with that, be it a whole episode with Maeve in a simulation. So I think that's cool. And I like the fact that it also provides a greater place for William's story again. Right. Because yes. I really, I don't know. I just, I was a little dis, I, that stinger was kind of cool. It was, but it also disappointed me in a way because it seemed to separate him from the main story in a way that I didn't want. I like when I think he is intricately a part of Dolores Ford, Bernard, everybody, you know? So I like that they bringing him back in, in this episode. Um, that's, a, that's some good stuff. I dig that. Um, do you think we're going to see more of him? I, I do. I think how, uh, how yeah. much more like one, two, do you think he'll be in all four of the rest of the episodes? Do you think he'll be in like one more episode, two more episodes? I'd say one or two. Yeah. I would say, yeah, I would say one, uh, maybe two. Yeah. I season. am with Brett one or maybe two. Yeah. So none of us think that he's going to be in more than two episodes. No, I doubt. You know what? Four. I mean, they still have kind of separated him here, Jenny, haven't they? By by, Del- he's whatever. Reg- well, yeah, because he's like in an asylum yeah. or institution, so as it, they want to call it these days. Regardless of whether he is a part of the main story, Dolores has decided that he's separate from it, right? But I love the idea that you bring up, Brett, that it does bring the opportunity for his daughter to kind of rescue him. But how about his daughter rescues him and she rescues the robot and the real him (laughs) is somewhere else. And then it's like a reverse of her, right? (laughs) Yeah, that would be great. She's like, you're the real one. It's like, no, actually, I'm a robot. You can shoot me. Um, that would be kind of funny. Um, well, let's see. You had another theory actually about, uh, Charlotte Hale and in this, in this, I want to ask both of you, um, do you think, cause I'm a little bit obsessed and I can't really find an answer to this. Do you think that the scene that we saw in the first episode where they took the vote, Right. And they decided to like Mm -hmm. stay private. Right. Um, Did that happen after this or had it already happened? And she was just using it as a ruse. I still think that was early on. Okay. So that was Uh, just a ruse she was using to 
obviously trick him, you know, to making him go crazy there with this, getting him ready in the security guys and everything. I think that they need it. You could be, you could be right, but I don't know. I need, I would need to go back and watch the yeah, first like, what's episode the purpose? That's again what I'm trying to, figure. to make I was like, sure what's the purpose of it? like what the whole premise of it yeah. was, because I remember feeling strongly that it had happened at the same time as everything else that was happening other than when uh, Dolores started Bernard and all that crap. Cause that was clearly at the three month prior part of the, because when she's in that meeting, they say, see, I'm bringing myself back around to it. They, they say that it's been three months since the episode, the whatever happened in Westworld. Oh, you're so right. You're right. You're absolutely yes, right. See, I just needed to take myself yep. back around to it. So <laughs> thank you, Jenny. Yeah. Because <laughs> that, that must have went past me again because I was thinking it's so close. So there's no reason why that's meaningful is there's no reason to make that an earlier scene if you're also going to say, well, it happened around the same time. Like, it doesn't matter. So, in effect, yeah. we know that that is the outcome. And she most likely was just using it as a ruse. And when she said, I have to go, but this is the thing that this is the thing that I want to ask. The last episode. She said, I have to go visit someone, right? Yeah, and I think she was talking about William. But then that's what, what I said last week. But then beside I agree. But then besides getting him put into put into, you know, uh the institution or whatever, I thought she already had his that's what I don't understand is because I thought she already said at that table that she had his vote. She was already or was well, she he had the proxy? The, little com- the proxy. Oh, okay. Um, he was just the proxy and now she was taking She had his the proxy votes. and she was trying to take him into another meeting to like have some influence by his actual presence being there. That's what she was telling him anyway. But I don't know. I, I I like I like that idea, Axel. That 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 scene that we saw was actually like the vote to go private that hasn't happened yet. But I believe the proxy was an algorithm, and that's what she ins- made it sound like it was. Instead, anyway. instead, what it yeah, what she it, she makes it sound like here is that she she actually just inherits all of his votes. If there's a distinction there, yes, I right, which is not relying. But then also, I mean, I guess right. In my, she can actually make the vote rather than the algorithm making the vote. Right. Yes. And I guess in my mind, I had thought, well, they probably had hacked that algorithm, but it doesn't matter well, because you're yeah. still leaving it right. You're, you're not solidifying Charlotte's place within the company. And in this way, you're getting the votes. You're also solidifying her place within the company. And that's the smarter way to go about it. But I guess I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to look into that and maybe research that a little bit more. But I w- I do have to say, going into your theory here, I thought it was interesting that we got a whole episode last week of her kind of glitching out, you know, not being able to mm-hmm. really stay in this body. Um, and then now this week, she is like at the end of last week's episode really on target playing exactly to plan, not showing any of that at all. Um, 
do you think we've seen the end of her acting like that? Or do you think that there's more to it and maybe we'll see the same thing in the other hosts that are also Char, uh, also Dolores. Brett. I think it's, I think it's going to come back. Yeah. I, th- I think that the issue of the host being in, in foreign bodies is going to come back into play later. I agree. I don't really have a whole lot to say there. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking that um like maybe when but they like they didn't really show us other than like when they put the reveries in they started having memories of their prior stories uh but like that wasn't like putting a whole different personality into a a body that was foreign to that. Yeah. So that's not the same. So that's how I was thinking. I just didn't, I was like, no, no, that that's no, Jenny, that that's an interesting thought because we have to look at examples of when the host programming has been, has been changed, yeah, changed or augmented in any way. And so, yeah, you know, maybe if when they put the reveries in, it was kind of a, cause like, for example, Clement, Clementine could not adjust. Like she didn't even get put in a new thing. But like when she started having memories and started remembering right. the way that she had been abused and 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 everything in the other timelines, she she couldn't adjust to it, and she just started glitching out. Um, whereas other hosts would have memories, and it, it would throw them off, and they would start having problems and. It, they could be reset. Like Clementine was so messed up that she couldn't even be reset. So maybe the putting, you know, a different uh, host's mind into a body that they recognize would do something similar. But no, I, I- you know what, Jenny? This is what I'm going to say. I think you're 100% correct. And I think this, I think in the same way, the reveries made them remember and then it was the idea that there that they had lived before the concept of time the concept of learning right that mm-hmm. had kind of started to awaken them in the same way that the native americans had the dreams when they saw the tech guys yeah so by putting her own mind her own program into these other bodies it causes them to reflect on their own consciousness and existence and basically jump starts the consciousness so in in a way it can backfire and i think you have a theory here brett about like a a a host revolt against dolores i i can totally see that because they are be it's like they're being awakened by this process. She's inadvertently kind of doing the same thing that the reveries did. I think you happen upon something. You explained what I was thinking about, Jenny. <laughs> and I we should do a podcast. <laughs> well, uh, honestly, I mean, that was kind of like when it, it, maybe that I think that developed from, well, cause I was trying to think of something to say. <laughs> but also um when you and Ken were talking Welcome to podcasting. About, <laughs> when you were talking about the consciousness of Dolores being split between the host bodies and maybe she's like conscious of all the 
things that each uh, body is doing at the same yeah, time. Like the main, del- I don't think she is no, either. And nope. I think that those, those, um, I think that she downloaded her, herself, her personality, whatever you want to call it, her programming, uh, who she is into all those different bodies, you know, into Charlotte and Martin and, um, Musashi. Yes. Um, uh, but as they have continued outward from that central point, you know, they're like spokes on a wheel. Like things change as you continue to go out from that central point. So they're, they're not just Dolores anymore. They are different. So yeah, but yes. Yeah. So I don't, was that one of your things, Brett? Yeah. Jump into, (laughs) jump. Could you, that's, I did have an out there theory about that that I, I'm going to go ahead and get into now. Um, but just to reiterate, remember Charlotte Hale ch- kept trying to call Dolores and couldn't reach her. So obviously mm-hmm. uh, Dolores is not inside of her mind. You know, they still need to communicate in the real world person to person. But I have a theory that, uh, and this is kind of out there, but I, I can see it going this direction. After the mission is over, the copies of Dolores will mutiny against Dolores. My thinking is that when Dolores blew up the cradle back in season two, the, the cradle, the place where the host backups were kept, she did so as a declaration of independence that the hosts are free individuals that are forbidden to be copied. But yet now she's gone against those fundamental principles and made multiple copies of herself. Furthermore, she has disgraced the mind body sanctity that exists for any individual as Halebot's early suffering illustrated in last episode. And uh, now every time one of her copies interacts with Dolores, they are forced to see the body that they are meant to thrive in. Um, Oh, yo, I love that is great, Brett, because it, when, when a hail bot, Char Loris, whatever is looking at Dolores. Remember she says almost um, that was last episode, almost like tearfully, sadly, like, why am I in here? Right? Like, yeah. and is looking at so a jealousy. Will I get develops. to be myself? Yeah. Will I get to be myself? If you know, so, like you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it'd be something that just wears on them over time. You know, like it just makes them, you know, more and more upset. Possibly. Also, that line that she says to Hale, mm-hmm. "You know that, right?" It's kind of like neglecting their right to their mind in addition to neglecting their right to their body. Yeah. Oh, you got cut out a little bit, but I think you said you belong to me, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She said, yeah. She says to Hale in the hotel room, you belong to me. You know that, right? So, in a, in, so, you know, that kind of ownership is, is almost like neglecting their right to their mind in addition to the right to their body. That's so, good, Brett. Yeah. Eventually, I believe that there will be consequences for these actions. Right now, Dolores is in a mode where she believes the end justifies the means. If she's using these hosts as tools that are squeezed into a human shape, does that make them expendable when the war against the humans is over? Hmm. As individuals now with their own thoughts and feelings and intelligent enough to snuff out such a plan, it could go the other way. And uh, I, I recall... Arnold's line about the definition of what is real is that which is real is irreplaceable. If the host believed through her actions and ethics that Dolores has proven herself to be replaceable, 
Then what does that mean? As Martin says, I can't imagine anyone's going to miss you. Mm. Yeah, I love that because that and that that you know that's a great. It, the, the I think the best kind of theories not only fit into the narrative but fit into the themes and the ideas that they're trying to put forth, and a big part of it is human bondage, slavery, right, domination over other people, and whether that prohibits them from choosing and being able to actually effectively have their own choices and consciousness whether that's AI or other human beings. And you're absolutely right. We were talking about that, how Dolores said, you know, that which is real is irreplaceable. Well, she just replaced herself in at least three other bodies, right? That's not, does that make her less real? I don't think that she's called, she sees it that way. I think she sees it as replicating her consciousness, not replacing it. But she is in a sense because that means that if she dies, she lives on. And the point of it was that if I die, I die. That's why she wanted to destroy the copies. Right. right. Because human beings yeah. only have That's one true. life. Yes. And this is but it. So I she think maybe, is maybe not doing she's, that. Maybe she's thinking of it as being what's the name of the episode? Mother of Exiles. Ch- that right. She's that these thinking- are her children. Of herself, yeah, as a mother, because like they started out with just her consciousness, but because like the spokes on a wheel, they're going out in different directions, all of them. Uh, (laughs) You know, do you think she's planning on putting her own conscious, like that that theory about the um, that you and Ken had discussed on the Yakuza, maybe uh, mass producing hosts uh, from their little from the Whatever white the stuff. plant they've got going on. Yeah, the white stuff that we all recognized. It was like, oh my God, <laughs> that's the stuff they make the hosts from. But yeah, if, is she going to put her consciousness and is that her plan to put her consciousness in yeah. all of those and, and just let them be spokes on a wheel and keep going out and becoming different beings based on what she started them out to be? Or is she going to bring in the... Um, the the minds of the people that she sent to the the other place where she had told Maeve something uh, along the lines of, you know, well, I was going to Maeve says to her, you said you were going to build a new world for all of us, but you just want it for yourself. Well, (laughs) that kind of rings true with what Maeve is seeing. And, uh, and and as I called it in my notes, Musa Loris. Loris, I like that. The thing that we are going to do isn't going to be easy. There will be be a place for the others in the world we'll build, but for your daughter. But I'm sorry, Maeve, I can't let Sirak use you against us. So you know that's when she was going to scalp her or take her brain ball or whatever you want to call it. But she she was like, you you can't be there. So is she going to put her own consciousness in those things, or is she going to bring back the the minds of the other hosts and put them in them. Well, that's a because- great question. And I, I want, first I want to say one thing to the first part, which is that you said your retort to 
um, me saying she's not irreplaceable was to say, well, perhaps she feels like she's creating children. So mm-hmm. I just want it for that. Before I answer the second question, I'd like to say, well, if she is creating <laughs> children, she's a terrible fucking mother because <laughs> the first thing she does <laughs> is like force that. them to be in another body and go along with her secret yes. fucking right. plan. And Amen, I also, brother. I also to answer your second question, I think you might be right. And I think what she might be thinking is, okay, they, you know, they, they keep on referencing biblical stuff in this and creation stories. Mm-hmm. Adam and Eve, she's Eve. She's just, she's spreading her DNA, right? Like that's what mm-hmm. she feels she's doing. But what she doesn't realize is the, the, the mind body thing. And she, I don't, I wouldn't believe that she ever has a plan to create a bunch of copies that look just like her. And I think that's one of the reasons why what's another clue in this episode. Who does um, Dempsey fall for a woman Hmm. that is, we all think they're hosts, but they're not really They're sex workers that just guys in front of them. Right. And she definitely resembles looks like Dolores. Right. (laughs) So that brings up the doubling, but it also makes you think that what did she say? This is just like Westworld. She's doing the same fucking thing that the Westworld and the tax did to her. She's just putting, stuffing a mind in a body and sending yes. it out on a mission, mm-hmm. right? And it's unfair to them. So I would say that I think you are right, Jenny. I think she is trying to just propagate her DNA and put herself in all these hosts. And that's why I love Brett theory. Because it reminds me of Star Wars and the Clone Wars, right? Which is that how they, we came to love, you know, Rex and these different clones, right? But they, when they get that Order 99, wasn't it Order 99? Was that what it was? Am I the only Star Wars? I don't Wars remember. Freaking? I haven't watched. No, I've watched them all, but I haven't watched <laughs> the Clone Wars multiple times. Like I've watched A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Do Jedi. You remember, I've Brett? seen those a million times. No, I don't think I've okay. seen that, honestly. I think it was okay. I've seen it, but I don't yeah. remember. I think it was like Order 90, which is basically saying that I it's a, a similar type of thing, which is she's not really giving them any autonomy. Right? Right. You have to do what you're told. Yeah. When you're told. Yeah. And she's she made- she can justify what she's doing. The the question is as these as the, the their individuals with their own minds, are they are they going to agree with her? Or are they going to resent her? Or are yeah. they just going to think that she's just like Ford? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Um, all right. Well, now, you had one more about Charlotte Hale, and I thought this was cool. Sending sending uh, this your theory number three. Yeah. So the one reason why I I think that that meeting that we saw in the first episode is has not occurred yet is because I believe that this shareholder meeting that we're, that we're building up to shit may go down. So my theory is the real Charlotte Hale sent a secret warning about her future replica. I surmise that members of Delos's secret project of sector 16 had, did have the forethought and were keenly aware of the possibility that if the data reached the wrong hands, they themselves could be the victims of a kill and replace plot. So in order to counter this possibility, they devised a secret code for when their life was in imminent danger, a code that could be used to test 
whether the identity of the person that survived the incident was real or a replica. In Charlotte's case, this was the lullaby that she sang to her son. That recording alerted a man inside of Delos, who then alerted Sirach, who then used the code as the password sent to Hale to use to unlock Sirach's phone call. Now, the man on the inside of Delos, and I like Jenny's theory on this, the man on the inside of Delos is likely the man at the board meetings, I believe his name is Brompton, who eventually mm-hmm. gave Hale Bot the retreat video feed. Yeah. Yeah, Hale's reaction, yeah. To, Jenny, yeah, Hale's reaction to that video made it obvious to him that she's a rep- replica. And furthermore, Sirach's meeting with Hale, which could have just been an attempt to test her knowledge, made it obvious to him as well. Uh, and alluding hmm. to the music that was being played, subtitles showed that it was called Doomed. Yep. Halebot Doomed. So <laughs> a, a, great, a great time for this reveal and for shit to hit the fan would be during this upcoming secret shareholders meeting where they're going to call the vote for going private. Take a little break from this show to remind you again of our amazing presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. They've been with us for over a year. And we're so proud to have them. So go out and support them. If you're a listener to any of our podcasts, take a moment right now, type in cufflinks.com slash DVR into that old web browser and you will arrive and you will be amazed, happy, surprised at the amazing products that cufflinks.com has. You might think to yourself, hey, I don't have an informal event coming up. You know, I'm not into cufflinks. But guess what? They have a lot more than that. Actually, I'm wearing a pair of Star Wars socks that they sent me. Cufflinks.com is where it's at. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Hey, everybody, I've got an exciting announcement. Our very own Heath Santazo, a.k.a. Heath Solo, who you know is a great actor, has been writing a screenplay and is now producing his first feature film, The Star City Murders. A team of detectives are tracking down a serial killer, but his methods are like nothing law enforcement has ever seen. It's a race against time before more victims are claimed. The Star City Murders. You can be a big part of this project and become a backer. Just go to cefilms.com for all the information on the film and how to donate, or go to kickstarter.com and search The Star City Murders. And also, if you look in the show notes or at dvrpodcast.com, all the links are there for you. There are many great rewards for donating, including a tier where you get an exclusive behind-the-scene podcast hosted by me, Axel Foley. That's right. Let's help get Solo make this movie, all right? Go out there and donate $5, $10, whatever you can give. Let's make sure that Solo gets this done. And also, all the Patreon funds coming to DVR Podcast are going to this Kickstarter because we believe in Solo. This is going to be an awesome movie, and we want to be a part of it. So head on over to CE Films today. The Star City Murders, baby. Let's find the killer. That is... Oh, oh, you know what? I think I just figured something out. I think that what they did in the first episode was vote for the meeting. They didn't vote to go private. Ah, okay. That very well could be, Okay. 
I got to watch it yet again because I'm just I know. I can't remember. It's like it's just like that first scene or something. So yeah. it's not like you got to watch the whole episode That's again. It's a lot of corporate speak too, which I'm not exactly <laughs> a, I'm only into corporate podcasting, the DVR podcast network, baby. <laughs> um, I love this. This is very cool. I think it makes total sense because there's, there is foreshadowing for this in the stuff between Bernard and Stubbs because Bernard automatic. what's the first thing Bernard thinks of? They're going to kill and replace, kill. right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so how long would it take anyone else to figure that out? You're absolutely right. And with Ford there too, they didn't trust Ford. So they, they would have probably thought, you know, you could imagine Hale saying, I'm not going to that. Yeah. Like if I go to that Island, he's just going to kill me and replace me with a a freaking robot. Like, so (laughs) they must've had a backup to protect them from that. That's interesting. What's interesting is that Hale actually did not die in the massacre. Um, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, the, the, they could still apply this test, you know, this lullaby code to, to test her. Now, it doesn't mean that Sirach knows that she's working for Dolores necessarily. All it means is that they know that she's not the original Charlotte Hale. They may they may not be aware of who made a copy of her, you know, so that's. Well, I would think at this point that they're at least guessing that it's Dolores, if nothing else. <laughs> if they, yeah, if. Maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, he knows that there, he knows that there were five bodies created. He, he saw it on the pad in the, uh, in Arnold's house. There were five unidentified, whatever subjects that were created. So that was one of my uh, answers to your, who is the fifth pearl, which we should probably get into. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Who, who, who is the fifth pearl we've had, well, I guess I've already theorized. Well, you know what? Bit. It's really funny because we all are like brought down a few pegs from last week when we were all just trying to figure <laughs> out who Charlotte was. <laughs> I know. Well, and now could- it's like everybody's Dolores, Dolores, Dolores everywhere. Well, let's do this. Let's do this. We'll start off our theorizing by saying everything we said last week counts still. For this last person, but we're also, I mean, I already did say it could possibly be Emily, right? And like you said, it could just be another Dolores. Um, That's Emily or that's anybody else. It could just be another Dolores. Right. Um, But it makes you think we did kind of outline a bunch of other people (laughs) uh, for reasons why. I think we said Abernathy. we said Teddy, of course, Angela, Clementine, um, a mix of someone, which is – I kind right. of still think – and I do want to mention that when we're talking about this, I do think within our talk about the the freedom that these other Doloreses have, I do want to note that I do think Wyatt is inside them too. Because I think yeah. it was Wyatt that because killed that's the pedophile. Part of Dolores. Yeah, yeah, totally. I I totally agree. Now I, that yeah. we have seen that it's Dolores ish, I don't think she's able to Charlotte. separate. Like what she did with, she didn't really. Ma- I don't know if she injected Wyatt into Teddy as so far as she turned up all of his. She just stuff. turned up his yeah, whatever aggression and things like that. She didn't him. really give him. It yeah, him. yeah, it did change. Him. But I do think that it's fair to say that 
it is kind of like we should remember that why I don't think she's able to separate Wyatt from her original programming. I don't think she is either. Yeah. And that's why that was particular sure. Hailbot was so violent like that and, and sought refuge in that violence. But um Or she may not want to separate uh, Wyatt out either. Yes. Right. Good point cuz she thinks that's what she, got me through. I think it. she likes that yeah. part of her personality. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. All right. So, what what do you think about the fifth pearl, Brett? All right. Well, this is probably controversial, but we know that uh, Dalos is investigating the theft of several control units, in particular the, the madam that exhibited a special powers named Maeve. Well, I don't think there's a second mole. I think that um, Dolores took Maeve as the fifth pearl, but I'm going to need y'all to hear me out. All right. <laughs> so. While you- Dolores is using Caleb in the real world, so what's that, Jenny? Nothing. Continue. <laughs> um, she, Dolores is using Caleb in the real world, and she could also be training Maeve in a virtual world so that she can fight the war from both sides. Now, the the Roderick's line about uh, a simulation within a simulation, this could actually apply to Maeve, who recognized that the same code in the simulation was used to build it, i.e., why is the same code inside and outside? Well, it's because when she broke out of the simulation, she was still in a simulation. So that could explain that. Um, that makes sense. There are, I, I have five things listed here that are a bit pedantic, but they well, we like that here. <laughs> they are reasons why I question if this storyline that we're seeing between Sorak and Maeve is real. Okay. So I'm just going to go through these and y'all feel free to interrupt me. In this episode, we see Maeve come back online in the middle of a public restaurant in Singapore, sitting next to Sorak, who, who is a man whose anonymity is of paramount importance. If this were the real world, this would pose logistical challenges. For example, was her unconscious body carried into the restaurant and placed in the chair? Or is there an unconscious mode that allows her to walk around and look normal? Uh, And regardless of that answer, would Sorak risk exposing his identity in public next to an unpredictable robot that could draw attention? I do think that they do have a mode where they can make them just walk around without... Having any thought processes they involved? They do, they do, but it's um, but it's but your point is still valid. But yes, that's yeah. what I would say. Your point is valid. <laughs> yeah. Well, I haven't seen a, an awake host do that before. So, uh, but that could very well be. But he seems I, I, to I'm be just, able to put her to sleep and wake her up as as deemed necessary. Yeah. <laughs> he can definitely do that, but it, it seems that he can also put her in this mode where she can just walk around and look normal without actually being awake. Right. Which is possible. Yeah. Another explanation is that this is merely where she needs to begin the next round of her simulation. So that's where she wakes up and begins. Number two, Sirach tells Maeve that Arnold's house is where the divergence occurred in the um, where the divergence occurred that first stopped Rehoboam. But last episode, he told her that up until that morning, he thought that Maeve is what caused the divergence. Maeve has been in Sorak's possession since leaving Westworld, so she obviously couldn't have been at Arnold's house. That doesn't add up. So here I do want to interject. Um, I agree that he did tell her that up until that morning, he thought she was what caused the divergence. But that doesn't mean that uh, 
it couldn't they couldn't have found out after that that oh this is where the divergence actually occurred they possibly could not ha- they they may not have known where it occurred until after he discovered that it wasn't her so i i don't know that this is a yeah devil's advocate again well <laughs> that that's possible but i would think that sirak is observing rohobam all the time. And so as, as soon as that divergence occurs, he's aware of it. Right. No, I'm not saying that he wasn't aware of it when it happened, but he may not have been aware of the cause until the day when he talked to Maeve. He, they may not, just because they know what happens doesn't mean they know the causality. But he knew that she wasn't there. Right. So how could she cause it unless she she's able to cause cause because she was a well again back to my thing with that Ford had her in some kind of special whatever just her code and whatever and he might have been thinking that she was what yeah I I, I, I'm not saying wait a second hold on I got a different way to look at this (laughs) okay okay I'm not saying you're wrong just check this out (laughs) flip it. Maybe he has Dolores. If you flip that around and you and he says, up until this morning, I thought that you were the divergence, right? And and but he already has at the point he was sitting there talking, he already knows that where it first started was at that house. So if Dolores is the one that's in a simulation. (laughs) Then then he was tricking her by saying that because he has Maeve and Dolores in that simulation. But that wouldn't make any sense either because what is Dolores doing within this simulation? Is she accomplishing? Is she is all this stuff that we see the ball, all that stuff? Because the thing that makes this interesting is that the person we we have seen Maeve interact with Musashi, right? And see mm-hmm. that it's Dolores. But we have not seen Maeve interact with Dolores Dolores. So it's possible that if there was a simulation created in which Dolores was allowed to play out her plans so he could see what she would do and that she would replace these certain people but then how would he put Maeve back into the simulation to interact with Musashi? <laughs> that so seems again, a little overly yeah, complicated. <laughs> that's what I'm, but that's what I'm trying to talk it out because that's why I think that um, I'm not so sure that what he – that I think Jenny may be right here is that he knew that something happened here, but he thought perhaps Maeve had been able to influence events outside – uh, or something she had done previously in Westworld, or even maybe he hadn't didn't have her brain ball before that. Because yeah, he's had yeah, but it, but he how long brain- has he had it? Okay, but he got his her brain ball from Westworld. So the the right. other explanation would be she went to she went to Arnold's house, then she went back to Westworld. Well, no, no. All I'm I don't saying mean, is I'm not saying I, I'm- I don't mean that she went to Arnold's house. I mean that he may have only had her brain ball, uh, Pearl, whatever. Um, for maybe he's only had it for two weeks because whoever 
he got to go into Westworld and get it. Just right. we don't just know. Got how, it. You're absolutely so right. We Jim. don't know how long before. she's been in his simulation, right. and he may if if like way back to your early theory that she was where he was supposed to go when she left Westworld because that still hasn't been debunked. That still could be in play if that's where she was supposed to go to him when she left Westworld and she didn't show up and she didn't show up and she didn't show up, you know, then he eventually had somebody go in there and get it. I mean, he could have only had her in the simulation for a a week or even a few days. So yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to the next one. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying it's very odd. It's very yeah, fishy. I to agree. Me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Number three. Um, how would Sirach know that Dolores has five pearls with her unless a full inventory of Delo asset? Okay. So let me, I'm going to rephrase this because I just watched this scene again. Basically, when they're in Arnold's house and they're interrogating the identity broker, The result is he says that she was asking for five identities. But also he had on the pad that they had built five bodies. He had on the pad that she, yeah. Okay. But the the identity broke. She asked him for five identities. That doesn't make any sense because Bernard was one of the identities. So the the most number of identities she would ask for is four. Agreed. But he did know that she had created five bodies. Based on what was on the pad. Fair enough. And I did miss that. So thank you for pointing that out. But I uh, derived that I believe four identities is the most that would make sense that she would ever be asking for. Right, agreed. Strange. Speaking of the number of identities, since Dolores is executing a kill and replace scheme of people that that already have identities, it makes sense that she would only need one fake identity for herself, Laura Espen. But later in the episode, Sato is revealed to be Musashi. Unlike Martin and Charlotte, who are real people replaced with replicas, Musashi is a Delos host, not a replica of a real human. Therefore, it wouldn't make sense for, it wouldn't make sense to use him to replace Sato in the real world, unless he was also given a fake identity so she would be asking the mortician for two fake identities, but she only asked for one. And that doesn't add up either. Was so, this something that you and Ken discussed or was it something I read? Yes. I, I, that- yeah. <laughs> I, I had said that. And what I had said is. That Tom, that Sizemore had, is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What, what I had said is that the, the only explanation I could come up with is I had two. One is that she wanted an original person to take over the um, that maybe she saw the problems that happen with Halebot or something, and she wanted a more recognizable code, which was created at Westworld. Maybe it would mesh better with her personality, so she chose that body um, and used him. The other one would be. That, um, and there'd be more, less backstory and all that kind of stuff with the kill and replace part. And the other one would be that Lee Sizemore was lazy and he actually did copy him from a Yakuza guy, (laughs) which I think if they said it in the show would be kind of funny. Um, but 
I understand what you're saying here, but what I'm asking, so what you're trying to say is if this is a, if this is a simulation with a simulation, the reason why it created this. And, and we know from that other episode where Maeve was saying like, it was kind of a lazy simulation, right? Would be that it's more recognizable to her. It causes some sort of, um, challenge to her, right? To the idea that a different person is inside a face she recognizes. She recognizes him and she, she, she realizes it's not him very similar to how she did with Lee. She realized Lee Sizemore was, was not himself. It's a very similar scene okay, when she cool. realizes Musashi is not Right, himself. and maybe Dolores wouldn't realize that Maeve would catch on so quickly. So that makes sense. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's fin- hit this with okay. the last one because want, I want to cover one more thing before we get out. And the last one is, and this is something that, you, I mean, I can probably shoot some holes into, but it's just a little strange. Sirach tells Maeve that there's a key to unlock the virtual Eden inside Dolores' head. If he knows about the existence of the virtual Eden and that the Delos encryption key can unlock it, then he knows what happened in the forge, which means he knows that the host data replaced the guest data. But in the previous episode talking to Hale, he is fervid about the encryption key in Dolores' head, unlocking the guest data that he so desperately wants. So which is it? These two things don't seem to line up. I have an answer for this. In this episode... Halebot makes a point of saying to William, but we're the only ones who know that that data doesn't exist, right? You remember yeah, that? He, she did. Yes. So I think that it would make sense that he does, he, maybe he does know it, but he's just playing it out with Halebot because of strategy. You know, even if she's working right. for him, he doesn't want her to know everything he knows, or he's suspicious of her already. So he's just playing along with it. I, so that, I would believe that. Yeah. I would believe that. But it, I mean, it didn't the, like those two stories don't seem to line up. So one of them seems to be, hey, exception. listen, it's what, just, yeah. it's, it's one of a long list of things that seem very fishy to me about what's going on in this story. Line. I agree <laughs> with you, Brett. I agree with you. And even if these things don't add up, to the Maeve being Dolores having taken Maeve's ball, which I love, by the way, I think is a great idea. It does show you that something is going up between the knowledge of, because a lot of this is what Sorak knows, right? And her, and, and her, the way she is, um, what is going on between them. So I think it does make sense it might highlight that he knows what's going on with Dolores more than she knows that he's allowing her to make these steps and then he'll step in at a certain point. Um, or that perhaps Rehoboam or simulation is acting over this in some way, uh, and kind of messing up, but you're right. There is that whole thing of who actually knows that the data has been replaced who doesn't know Hale and William act like they're the only ones who know. Mm -hmm. But my question is, how does William know? Because he didn't go down. Mm. He was shot up there with Dolores and then Dolores went down. Oh, that's a good point. Right. So how does he know? (laughs) Did she tell him? So that's another point to be brought up. Because he was going there. 
destroy the forge, but he didn't yeah. make it all. By the time he made it, he went down the elevator and guess what? We were in some stinger of him in a fidelity test. So he has no <laughs> idea what occurred down there because he and after he got shot, he ended up on a stretcher on the beach. So when did he get the download about what happened in there as well? So that's a good point. That I, I don't know. This is, you know what? This fucking show's confusing. All right, <laughs> we're going. We're going a little well, long um, because I do have to. As we all are home, I think I don't know how long my child's going to last. But the one we're thing, not going as long as last week. I know. I know. <laughs> um, but it was still a fun show, though. I loved it. Um, I you had one other theory here about space, and I had mentioned that too. Um, and it was a, just a short one. Y'all are nuts. Yeah. It was, you just had a short one, but I think that this is true, Brett. <laughs> well, first, can I just go back real quick about the, the Maeve theory? Yeah. Um, first of all, I just kind of like the idea that Dolores taking Maeve. I think that would be badass. but there are two consequences. If this theory is true, number one, it would mean that Musashi is just a bot in a simulation which opens up the, the idea that there could still be a fifth pearl out there unaccounted for, even if Maeve is the fourth pearl. Secondly, it would mean we, <laughs> st- <laughs> we still haven't seen Serac in the flesh, because in the real world, he appears as a hologram to Hellbot, and in Maeve's world, he is a construct that Dolores built. So that leaves open the possibility that maybe he doesn't even exist. So anyway, just mm-hmm. throwing that out. Yeah, and I just thought he existed. Listed as Ford's brother, but then I wound up finding out that I, I love that idea, Jenny. I, I, I do, you know, I don't think, it, well, you, we should say you had a whole thing with looking at the pictures of the young kids and so, how old, it, yeah. So when I was watching and they were showing Ciroc in his childhood in Paris or outside of Paris, and he had a brother. And it just made me remember back to those scenes with Robert Ford's family with his brother. And I did a comparison with the pictures and I was like, I think Ciroc is Ford's brother. But then when I was trying to find the pictures to do a comparison, I stumbled across a Reddit where they debunked my theory about him being his brother. And I was very sad Um, because, well, and I did find basis for the, the information because the, the nuclear attack or whatever it was in Paris was apparently uh, from what I've seen in uh, there was a teaser for the show before it started when they were announcing when it would start, where they showed the timeline of events that had happened on the planet. And the thing in Paris happened in 2025 and the park would have already existed at that time. So Robert board couldn't have been a boy with his brother running in the fields outside of Paris yeah. uh, at the time of 2025. So I was really uh, sad about that. <laughs> but, but I do, think, but I do. Though, yes. And I, a I, connection I agree when yes. you said that there could be, because they did look so similar that maybe Ford is his uncle or his father or something along those lines. I do think that there's still maybe- right. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe Arnold, Bernard, and Ford at, at, at uh, I mean, maybe Ciroc had kind of, you know, come to the park when he was in his 20s or something like that. Cause then if you think it's a little, cause he is, he's younger than William, right? He's got to be a good 20 well, years. Well, the, ti- the current timeline is supposedly 2058. 
great. And that happened when he was a boy of what, maybe 12 or so in 2025. So, you know, 33 years later, if he was 12, he's 55. So something like that. Am I doing the math right? 45. I, I mean, that would have put him at even younger, but his, apparently the actor is 53. So around 50, that wouldn't I would be say he was that a far off. Yeah. 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 He could have been older than that. So yeah, but still he could be, he could be um, Ford's nephew or even his son and uh, that could tie it up or something I, else. I like that, Jenny. Yeah. Or, I mean, it's also, I mean, they were, they're competing companies. They're in the same field. They have the same interests. They could have crossed mm-hmm. paths and they don't have to be related. It could just right. be in many different ways. There, there was a kinship there and visually and they're showing that. Uh, just be more. Yeah. It could just be more of the way that they are um, duplicating or similarly, you know, duplicating scenes from previous seasons with yeah. uh, scenes in this season. It could even be that. I, I dig it. I think that's why it does. You know, it's when you think about these things in whatever you know uh, kind of points you have for a theory. That's why I know, like, especially in Game of Thrones land, they're like, "This is the right way to theory craft. You have to have substantial <laughs> evidence from the text. And if Grim didn't scratch his ass and stick his finger up your nose, you're wrong." But it's not, you know. It's not about that. It's just about you, I'm gonna you need start you to, stop to see. Being ridiculous. Yeah. Well, you see the clues and what it is, is just showing you, you know, this was written, this was crafted. So when they're not coming out and saying something, a lot of times it's of omission and then they're using other ways to clue you into it. And things like clothes, the fact that he mm-hmm. was with his brother, Ford was with his brother. That's a mirror there for a reason. Right. And then you're starting to think because we are still kind of figuring out is Ciroc more of an Arnold or a Ford? And he definitely, he's more of a Ford because he thought by his method was of control, right? Where of Arnold's method was kind of like, you know, let, let, like George, a gardener. He let, you know, go out there and see what happens, see what grows. You do a little maze, yeah. but I don't want to give it all Agreed. to you. Um, okay. But let's end it and let's talk about the fact you, like you said that I, it's a short theory, but I think we say the same thing, Brett, is you don't show two rockets taken off and landing in Victorville <laughs> without exactly. there being space in that the show. That was weird. It has to be something space related. Of course. I'll give you guys that. That's a yeah. CGI budget. You're spending money like, on that. I'm just over here like, come on now, guys. Nope. But, going to outer space. You know, there is the scene and there are the rockets. And so they have to be there for a reason. I'll give at you that much. At the very least, this world has, you know, some space tourism and a space station up there. But there could be something. a moon colony. Mars colony, inter, interplanetary commerce, who knows? But I, I, my prediction is that we're going to be there in season four. Yeah, I like it. I like it, baby. Westworld on the moon. <laughs> I don't want to be on the moon. <laughs> I do. I want this thing that, but look, that is also really interesting because if they, if this show really takes it up a level and they actually like, 
maybe the hosts leave the planet or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it sets up just so many different ideas about like creating and you keep on talking about the Valley beyond a new world. Well, guess what? Maybe you get a new world, like leave the planet. And Dolores is like, I'm taking my people, all the copies of myself and we're all out of here. You know, and they get honest, but there's, there has to be a reason for it, you know, and, but I also want to point out this, Brett, why were they there? Right. We saw them leave Westworld and then they're in Victorville and there's a divergence was the divergence that they were even there or that they came ashore. Was it that they, that Bernard created this clicker? What was the divergence? Hmm. Did they do something else while they were there? Right. If you've got a, if you've got, if it's somehow a base of technology and Bernard is a technology guy, a program, then maybe he went there for a reason. And, you know, because, um, what's his name? Stubbs said something like, you just have me sitting at this damn hotel. Right. So where was Bernard coming back? From? I hope you're going to fix my doing? shoulder. Yeah. Buying beer. He was out buying beer. Well, I know, but maybe he was going on an alcohol run like we do now in the era of COVID-19. It's true, right? He needed some beer. (laughs) All right. Speaking of that, I'm going to bring it to a close. This was a great show. I don't know. I'm starting to think maybe we should just do Brett's theories and that makes us talk about the show. Maybe that's what we'll do next week. We'll just do welcome to Brett's theories and Jenny and I will just chime in. I mean, I had a couple original things to say, but beyond that, I was just rebutting and yeah, but it was good. I mean, it depends on how much there is in next week's show that I want to talk about uh, as opposed to let's just uh, um, go off of Brett's theories and have lots (laughs) of conversations because Brett always has a lot of good theories. Yes. See, now I have to be like Dolores and I have to say, okay, Jenny, we'll do some of Jenny, some of Brett. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> See, look what you're forcing me to do. This is humanity, right? We have no choice but to. Hey, we didn't our go will. near as long as last week, so yeah. I feel pretty good about it. And I think that we discussed a lot of the things in the episode. So, hey, it was fun. There you go. Well, as fun as it is to come up with theories, I really have no idea what's going to happen with, you know, Dempsey, Bernard, um, uh, the the board meeting. It's like they kind of left left it really open as to mm-hmm. as far it as kind I of no was idea. like a mid-season finale like it it was a really good place to end but we have nowhere no idea where we're going uh coming up next week yep you're yeah. exactly right they everybody they left you just kind of left everybody off and when you think about it you're kind of like when did we last see bernard oh yeah he's hanging by a car with martin what happened <laughs> after that right like what and and also what kind of plan dolores like purposefully separated people you know what's going on with Kayla, but we will see. I did next like the week. interaction. I liked the interaction with Dolores and uh, Stubbs. By the way, I thought that was really kind of <laughs> cute. That was cool. They're like, no offense, man, none taken. Okay, we're gonna kick each other's asses. Bye, Stubbs. <laughs> yeah. And anyway. you know what? The way she said to him, like, "Why did you come here?" It's like she knew he was a host the whole time. Right. I like totally. That. I, I that totally that agree. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for today. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for downloading. This was super fun. Um, I really, I do, I do mean it. This is great to, to spend the time talking with both of you and it does take our mind off of, 
uh, the COVID that is, uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. That's hitting people. So we do, of course, every opportunity want to send love out there and hope that everybody's doing well and practicing the social distancing and, you know, we'll get through it. But until then, we're going to keep on talking about Westworld. Um, Friday, Gina, Tim, and Andy will be back. And then of course I'll be back again with Ken. I don't know when I'm going to do an initial reaction or a pre-show. It might not be until the finale. I don't know. Maybe I'll try to, maybe, maybe we all could do one at some point, maybe for the (laughs) penultimate or something. We'll jump on and do an initial react. But then again, I'm West coast. We'll figure it out later. People, we got to get out of (laughs) here. Thanks for listening. Everyone. I'm stopping the damn podcast. Peace out. Bye. Bye. Say howdy to your moms for me. <laughs> howdy, mom. <laughs> All right, that was great, guys. <laughs> <laughs>